welcome to the Rabbitohs Top 4 Podcast. Proudly presented by What If, official travel and pathways partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Here are your hosts, Mark Ellison, Shannon Donato and Jeremy Monaghan. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Rabbitohs Top 4 Podcast, our very first episode on the brand new Rabbitohs Podcast Network. Of course, the Rabbitohs Top 4 Podcast is powered by Audio-Technica and proudly presented by What If. What If has you covered for accommodation, flights, car hire and more. So if you're looking for a holiday, travelling for business or you need to get to the game, visit whatif.com slash Rabbitohs. What If, it's Aussie for travel. Great to have What and Audio Technica on board. My name is Jeremy Monaghan. I'd like to welcome our co-hosts of the Rabbitohs Top 4 podcast, Mark Ellison and Shannon Donato. Hello, good morning. Morning, Jez. Uh, great to be on the first show for the first time. Um, can you take us through that introduction again without actually reading it? <laughs> no, I cannot. <laughs> Not episode one. Get me to about episode ten. I'm sure I'll you'll re- be able to do it, mate. I reckon I'll be I, there. I actually really like that intro music. It reminds me of some movies I used to watch when I was a teenager when I was home alone. And that, <laughs> the background music they used to play in those those videos. But what a great movie Home Alone was. <laughs> Shout out to Macaulay Culkin, one of our early subscribers here on the Rabbitohs Podcast Network. And before I've even introduced him, he's piped up. Welcome, Shannon Donato. Thank you, Jez. Great to be here. You, you should have introduced me as the former Italian international, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, I, I'm happy with that. I haven't even got to your bio yet, and I'm going to start with Elo now. 110 first grade games in your career, Elo. 86 of those for South. First grade player number 720. You're now the head of football here at the Rabbitohs after many roles uh, within the club. It, it must be great to have that life here as a Rabbitoh. Oh, it's been fantastic, Jez. I mean, it started back in the juniors, playing the in the SG ball, jersey flag, etc. Came into into grade in '83, um, finished in '91, then had a bit of time away from the club. Um, had a few different things that I followed in that time, but I've been back since 2004, and um, it's been a, an amazing change in the club in, in the period that that I've been lucky to be to see. Uh, that we've we've gone from a club that was struggling a little bit, and now we're we, you know we're obviously one of the clubs. It's one of the, one of the top in the game, and uh, everyone here at the club is is striving to make sure we stay in that position. And you know, South Sydney, that's just been such a big part of my life, and I've I've loved every minute of it. We're going to delve into that a little bit later, if with time permitting, as one of our topics here on the top four podcasts later on. But Shannon, 78 first grade games in your career, 19 of those as a Rabbitoh, a proud South Sydney junior. Rabbitoh's first grade number 863. You've taken a bit of a different path to, to Elo. He's stuck more to the football side of things, but you've moved into the administration and commercial side of the business as the chief commercial officer. Yeah, that's right. So obviously the uh, revenue streams for the football club to ensure that um, you know we're able to give back to the community and everything we do through South Cares there, make sure our members are well looked after and probably just as importantly make sure our football team is well resourced so we can uh, continue to have the success on the field that we that we all want and that we've been having in, in recent years. Every second Thursday when payroll comes in, mate, I say a little thank you to you every, every week for bringing well, mate, the he, dollars. Well, mate, he took the commercial side because there's more lunches involved in that, <laughs> Very good. I, yeah, my whole job's just contra basically. I don't get paid a wage. I just I get paid in lunches, and it's many think I'm still way overpaid. 
<laughs> it's great actually to be here in our brand new studio here in the Kingsford offices. And you mentioned food. What about the nine dollar roast down at the uh, bistro downstairs? Oh, they're fantastic. But you know, after about three of them each lunchtime, they get a bit rich. But they are. They're absolutely fantastic. Jez, highly recommend the Junior's food. I've been a favourite of the um, Thai beef salad, mate. I've been trying to lose a bit of weight. It's not working, but we'll get there at some stage. <laughs> you have the Thai beef salad as your entree, don't you? <laughs> well, he has the Thai beef salad in the bistro, then he hops over to Pinocchio's for some Boschiola, and then up to the Chinese for some yum cha. Can't leave anyone out. Have you had a look in the mirror at home, Jess? <laughs> I don't own any mirrors, Ella. <laughs> oh, this morning I got to put my bo- a belt on with a boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> so to give our listeners an idea, the top four podcasts, what we're going to do each week is we're going to put forward some topics, which might be around your football careers, might be around your, your life around football or anything in general really about sport or, or life. We'll toss up some different things over time and we'll try and pinpoint the top four points that you can come up with in those topics. And we're asking our members and our supporters to submit their own as well. So if you go to rabbitos.com.au slash podcast, you can find a form on that page there. And uh, you'll be able to enter your own topics that we can we can discuss. But that's the idea behind the, the top four podcasts. But our first item I want to get to, and this will be a weekly thing, is something that you've learned this week. I'll, I'll go to you first, Ello. I think it was just how much I'd miss football over, over the off-season. Uh, we were lucky enough to take a, a sort of a second tier with a young squad down to Griffith to play in a trial. And a really... Big shout-out to Steve Hogan down there who helped organise it. It was all about taking the game back to the country areas and trying to help in the grassroots. Uh, we, we didn't make a cent out of it, but we wanted to go down there, meet the people. Um, you know, the, the boys went out and did clinics down there. We also took uh, Cameron Murray, Liam Knight and Adam Reynolds down who did some commercial stuff down there, Went did a few sportsmen's lunches and things like that just to try and promote the game down there and get... Yeah, participation levels back where they were. They treated us really, really well. The boys put on a great performance. Uh, we're well behaved, which is another good thing we're looking for. But, uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to, to the season that's coming. Very good. Shannon, what did you learn this week? I learned I, – I knew it all along, but it was sort of um, consolidated this week when we broke 28,500 members, and that's just how staunch our members are, you know. Uh Given all the challenges they had last year and disruption to their being able to go out and watch their team play for a while there, no members are allowed at the games, then just a few. And, you know, with 250 members in front of the same point last year after such a disrupted year, we're at over 28,500 members now and way on track to, to break last year's tally. And, you know, just hearing the positive stories from our members that went down to Griffith and watched there and they're all looking forward to Mudgee and they've booked in droves in thousands to go out there. I just... I, it came home to me just how staunch and solid our, our members are and how fortunate we are to have such a, a strong strong uh, family of members, sponsors uh, at the Rabbitohs. And they always have been, haven't they, Shannon? I mean, even when we were struggling, you know, at times the members have always stuck solid and they knew we'd come out the other end. But we, we wouldn't have if they hadn't have got behind us. You know, there's been, there's been times for all of us where it's been a bit tough over the, over the years, but now they're, they're reaping the benefits of obviously improved performance on the field and commercially. So it's, you know, a, a great shout-out to all of them and 28,500, that's fantastic. Fantastic, yeah. Absolutely. They're the lifeblood of our club and, you know, when when we've got our backs to the wall, that's when we know 
our members are right behind us. They've proved it, you know, with with the expulsion and getting us back in the league. But even during the COVID, when you know they were talking about the, the very existence of the game being a threat, our members came out in droves and pledged and supporting the club. So we're very blessed, and you know that's why we're always giving back to the members. Yeah, very good. The thing that I've learnt this week is just about the maturity of our playing squad. So. Right from the senior players that we've got all the way down to the, to the young guys, they've had a lot thrown at them, especially over the last month in terms of media appearances that they need to do for, for broadcasters and the NRL, um, in terms of other promotions that they've got to do. They haven't shirked anything. There's been no complaining. They've just taken everything on the chin. And what they've done too is try and make the experience as best as it can be for the whole squad, but also the other people involved. And the example I use is we had our team photo day and talking about the members as well. Most clubs would take probably two team photos, one with the the players and then one with the football staff as well. Um, And our guys did that, but then they also did about another 30 photos with our Club 1908 members um, who are uh, part of our top tier of membership here at the club and also some other special people like young Jake Spurdle who the club has um, been supporting through a difficult time suffering from cancer up in Port Macquarie. Um, Him and his mum came down. And the reception that our boys give those members, they clap them in, they cheer them on, they thank them for their membership. You can just see the smile that it puts on those members' faces. And I think that's a real maturity around our squad that they understand how important the people outside of that small football group are to not only the broader club and the commercial side of things, but but to help them win. Because it's that passion of the people inside and outside the club that drive them forward. We saw it in 2014, and you can feel it again this year. It's it's really special amongst that group. So that's what uh, we learnt this week. First of all, we'll go on to our first topic now, our first top four topic. I want to ask Ello and Shannon, the top four players that you have played with. Now, that's a, a big one. You both had lengthy careers in, in first grade and in top Flight rugby league, Shannon. You mentioned you're a you're an Italian international as well. Yes, co- yeah. Also coached the Italian team. Amazing achievement. Well done, mate. Um, but the top four players that you guys have played with, I'll start with you, Ella. Oh, there's a number of them, Jez. Um, you know, I go back to when I started the career. I see uh, Nis got in the team who played for New South Wales and captained us, and he was he was a great inspirational sort of leader too. And uh, being young in in the team at that, I think I was about 19 or something, and Having a guy of his experience to come in and look after you, not only on the field but off the field, it was yeah, you know, he was fantastic. He, you know, he, he was a solid player. Um, unusual to be a captain from the wing, but um, you know, he ran the ball back well and finished well, uh, and just an inspiration to everyone there. Um, yeah, naming four is really difficult, mm. mate. But I, I go back to you know Phil Blake's probably. One that comes to mind straight away. I was lucky enough to play with, with Phil and the Australian schoolboys too when we were younger. And, uh, you know, he was just brilliant. He was just a gifted player that could do things other players couldn't do. He's chip and chase, um, you know, and just his, his broken field running was better than, than most players on, you know, around. Um, who else have we got? The tough blokes in, in Les Davison and Dave Boyle and Ian Roberts, you know, they, they were just. You know, they were great to play play alongside. You know, they they see in all that stuff, and we've we've all the other play to the, the other guys in the team. But they, you know, they stood their mark, intimidated opposition packs, and that. And they, you know, they're great to be around. There's one one player that I thought was very very underrated in the team in the '89 team, and that was uh, Paul Roberts. 
Uh, he doesn't get a lot of accolades for how good he was, but uh, he could play back row. He could play centre. He was a handful for any defensive team to stop. He could. He had good speed. He was a, a rugged, solid defender. Um, you know, he he you know, he did he did a great job for us in 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 that era. So, but I have to pick the top four. You probably don't need to, to narrow it down to four if you can't. But I've got to say, some of those names you've said there, I'm a not to make you feel older, though, but I'm a fraction younger than you. And I'd like to point out for complete transparency that Mark Ellison was my favourite player when I was a young bloke. I had a little jersey with a number six on it. And you mentioned Phil Blake there. He's another player that I remember when I was a kid that was just absolutely electrifying. And when you're kicking the ball out the front of your house and you're trying to chip and chase as a 100 kilo eight-year-old as I was. Um, wasn't quite as zippy as, <laughs> as Blakey, but, um, and had the opportunity to work with him for a, for a short period of time here at the Rabbitohs too, back in 2002. A great bloke to go with it. So It's, it's funny you say that, Jez. I mean, I, when I was playing, I used to practice my goal kicking down at Nagel Park quite a bit. And, you know, when we were kids, you'd grow up who you wanted to be as a player and you'd, you'd play in the park against each other. And, you know, I wanted to be Ron Coote when I was growing up mm. and things like that. And I, you'd hear the kids playing, mate, all of them wanted to be Phil Blake, mm. the South Sydney ones. You know, I've never seen so much chipping and chasing in my life in, in, at Nagel Park. But, yeah. the, you know, he was just, he was a household name at the Rabbitohs when he was here mm. because, you know, we had a really solid team in, in, in the late 80s, really rugged. I was named some of the players in it and mm. very hard to get on top mm. of. But he could do things to break games wide open for us. Yeah. You know? um, and, yeah, he, he was probably as good as anyone I played with. Yeah. It's great to see so many of those guys still connected with the club as well. We saw David Boyle in yep. a training the other day. He's still looking yep. as as fit as ever. And you see Ian Roberts around the place every now and then. It's great to see those guys still connected and, and still mates. Yeah, yeah, it, it is good to see them. And um, that's been great. We've started up getting our... Uh yeah, raging rabbits have come come on this you know in the last few years and build up great reunions. I mean, some of the reunions we're getting three hundred people to, and you catch up with all those guys. It's a great day, and you know, particularly the day where where the current players come and come and meet all the past players. It's uh, it's a tradition that's been recreated, and I'm sure we'll keep it going for a long, long time. But you talk about Boyley. I mean, uh, I made my debut up at at Lang, the old Lang Park against Combined Queensland, and Boyley was my roommate. That night, you know, so um, we might leave it at there. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was great having you. <laughs> what, what about our own Boyley? Like you mentioned, Ian Robertson, Boyley, like he, he looks like he's still fit enough to, to play. It's great how the ex players, how we've all looked after ourselves post football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Boyley, Boyley, I mean, he's had, I think he's had both. I was only talking the other day. So both of his knees are reconstru- reconstructed. Um, or replacement, sorry, but he's always trained his backside off, always mm. been super fit. Um, and he's one of his great sayings when he played, he says, Use your, use your body as a weapon, not a shield. And I thought that, that was the way he played the game, yeah, you know. And uh, Davo was the same as that. I mean, I was about to say, a bloke that could still play footy, he yeah. looks super fit, yeah, yeah. He's um, yeah, he's only quiet, Davo, he's yeah, off the field. Yeah, just one of one of nature's great yeah. gentlemen. Um, he always has been, mm. uh, but when he ran out on that field, my God, the steam be coming out of his ears, his nostrils. Yeah, I imagine that gave everyone else confidence. Oh, it did. When you guys run out, knowing that he's 
yep. he's with you. I've heard um, Craig Coleman Tugger tell the story all the time. He said, "You do my fighting, and I'll do your thinking." Well, that's it. I mean, I mean, Tugger, Tugger ran the team. Tugger mm. did a great job, mate. He, he's one of those, one of the players in the in the top players I play with as well. Yeah. There's there's so many of them, mm. you know. But um, yeah, those guys just and, and Ian Roberts, mate. He was he was probably the fittest player that I yeah. played with, um, and. You know, he just he just kept going and going and going, but they they just set the platform for everyone else, and yeah. and it was it was an era of intimidation, yeah. and you know that that certainly wasn't my sort of uh, expertise in the game, but mm. these guys did all that and let the other guys with different skills mm. get that all happening on the field. Uh, it was it was some great times, and, and you know you, you talk about you know, I've been here for a long time, but it, it, you know that, those days when you. When you're playing at the top level and, mm. and the Rabbitohs are going good, it's a mad, magnificent feeling because mm. the communities around you, they're all supporting you and uh, it was probably some of the greatest times of my life, to be fair. Funny story about Blakey. When he was working here in 2002, he had his office upstairs and the Redfern offices, he was coaching director or something. I can't remember what he was, but he had his little office and he called me in one day and he said, oh, can you help me out with something? I need to send an email. So clearly he wasn't great with the technology and I thought, no worries, I can help you out with that. And I walk into his office and dead set, the walls were absolutely wallpapered in yellow post-it notes. <laughs> there was not one bit of wall space that you could see. It was just yellow post-it <laughs> notes everywhere with phone numbers and email addresses and everything right. on the walls. And I'm like, oh, we got to clean this up for you, Blakey. <laughs> we can't have this oh, wallpaper here. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, talk about, talk about how clever he was on the field. Off the field, he was pretty clever around the dressing rooms too. Yeah, uh, Mario used to come to train, and with his, you know, he, he was always, you know, really well dressed. Mario, yeah, you know, credit to him, he always presented himself really well. But Mario would always do extras out on the field, and he'd be the last bloke in the dressing room to have a shower. And probably once a week, Blakey would get into his his kit bag before he came in, and he'd cut the crutch out of his underpants. <laughs> <laughs> So, Muzzer would come back in, have his share, pull his on his phone. Of course, yeah, they weren't as supportive as they should have been. And I can't imagine the Maltese reaction no. would have been too calm. No, no, after, after about the 27th time, he said, this is not funny. Very good. Very good. Shannon, uh, let's have a look at your top four players that you've played with. Ah, uh, yes. Well, I think, you know, one of the most naturally gifted players I played with um, is Julian O'Neill. He was just uh, just a prodigious talent. Uh, everything came naturally to him. He certainly didn't have a, a great training ethic, but when he, even when he did train, actually, he'd he'd uh, when he really put in, he'd, he'd lead everybody in the four hundreds, and even even the Jimmy was quite strong, and he was just you know he was just the most naturally gifted footballer I, I played with and um he was gifted at lots of things julian and <laughs> football was just one of the many things that jules jules was gifted at and, and a great guy to boot um so he's probably one of the most naturally and and gifted footballers and best footballers i've played with um ello mentioned uh at the other end of the continuum uh mentioned les davidson you know one of the toughest brutal wasn't about skill but it was you know, he was intimidating, um, and I got to play with Les. And having watched him as a kid, I always idolised him, and I and I knew the other players feared him. I used to watch him um, 
you know, even as a kid, and you could see the runners run, and they divert away when they make eye contact with him. And I, and I, and I noticed when I played beside him, you know, tackling beside him, you probably do twice as many tackles because they step away from him and step into you. They yeah. see, they see Big Les Davidson, all this little fat Italian hopper over here. <laughs> I know which one I'd rather run at. So uh, Les is probably uh, in there as well. And then um, again, in in terms of pure ability. Uh, Andrew Eddinghausen, I played with him at the Sharks. He was just an amazing player. And, you know, people always talked about him being a pretty boy. And you forget that he was actually quite a robust defender as well. Yeah. He, he was a strong defender and a great attacker as well. Mm. And he, again, just, he just used to guide when he ran. He, he had one of the great, you know, running techniques yeah. of, of any any of the players, didn't he, when, he, when he was on the field? He did, yeah. And he great instinct for where it was going to open up. He'd push up on the on the outside of somebody who could get their hands free. That wasn't me, but some folks <laughs> had some ability. So he was, yeah, he was a great all-round footballer. And then my last one, I didn't, you know, I wanted to talk about either Preston Campbell or, or at the other end, again, in just pure toughness. And I just had to go for him because he's... You know, I played with Les, but even in front of Les, in terms of the toughest blokes I've ever played with, mentally and physically, he stands out, and that's Martin Lang. I knew you were going to say yeah, Marty Lang. Marty Lang. Absolute toughest player. Um, at a different club, at the at the Panthers, we played the Roosters in the grand final. I played in the semi-final. Not, I didn't play in the grand final. Um, but Martin Lang, they had an intimidating pack, you know, Morley, Crocker, Fitzgibbon, Rickardson, and they were renowned for that sort of rush defence. And I knew, because Marty would always take the tough run, and I knew they'd... Um, you know, they knew if they could stop Marty, they could stop our forward pack. And the first run of the game, Marty, they kicked off Marty. The ball was fumbled. Marty barely gets back on the field to play. They were <coughs> rushing him that much. Five-hour gang tackling him every time he ran the ball. And after about 70 minutes, you could see they were just exhausted from just bashing Marty all game. But Marty was still going. And uh, it, was, it was a superhuman performance. And one of the, But he did that throughout his whole career. So, yeah, they're my top four jazz. Having worked with his dad, John, here you can see where that toughness comes from because Johnny Lang was five foot nothing probably when he played probably weighed 60 70 kilos but he was a tough little bloke he was, it was the the clips that you've seen of him playing and the stories that we heard from Shane Richardson who was up there at East Tigers with him then he came down and played in Sydney and played State of Origin you could see the way when he was coaching he, he when he first got here he was a football consultant and he was like your grandfather he'd call you into his office and he'd tell you stories like he'd, he'd say you got five minutes and he'd be in there for three and a half hours be <laughs> telling you stories I got, the, I got to know Watto and everyone else personally even though I've never met them before in my life with all these stories but when he became coach he Something switched in him, and you could see the passion and the fire in him. And he'd give it to the players. The great story about him giving it to Dave Taylor in the, in his first game for South. And it's just you can see where that fire and brimstone in Marty came from from his dad. Yes, yeah, absolutely. JL, um, great bloke. You know, had a huge, profound impact on my life, but plenty of other footballers who he coached. Here at South, I think his role at South's ascension to 2014 is a little bit understated as well. Madge did such a great job with the squad and the players were tough. But, I, you know, I think, and Madge was credited for putting that toughness in the side, but I'm sure Lengy played a role too, you know. Lengy, Lengy had a way of... Um, and they say the same thing about Wayne, and, and I see it with Wayne, of helping players believe that they are as good as they are. Sometimes you doubt yourself, but, you know, if a guy of 
Wayne Bennett's or John Lang's caliber tells you you can do this, even if you had your own doubts, all of a sudden you believe you could. And I'm sure that toughness Lang had and that competitiveness was was part of the foundation for that 2014 win. Mm. Uh, not taking anything away from Madge or, or any of the no. players. Or I'd that. have to agree with you there too, Shannon, because what he did do too was blood some of the younger kids. You know, early like Clarkie, Pizzi. Uh, Dave Tyrrell was only young back there. He put him in in the first grade as well, and and having that early transition into first grade helped him down the track. Yep. You talk you talk about Marty Lang, how tough he was. I remember speaking to Lang about the the Penrith Grand Final win, and he said he said about three days before he said I was really thinking how are we going to beat this Roosters team. They were that they were that well prepared. They were they were the they were the team of the year by a long, long way and, and they had that devastating defence, rush defence, as you said. They bashed everybody. They, they bashed every exactly and he said he said I decided on the on the, the Wednesday or something that week the only way we can beat them is to go through them. He yeah. said so that's what we did and that's exactly what they did in the game and that was his he had that ability to get players to play tough. Um but he got players to play for him because they liked him. Yep. And that was that was that was his biggest thing he had because he cared about people. Yep. Mm. And they and you know, the players loved it. Like, yeah. I, like I love Lenny, you know, he, you know, I was with him for a long time, about eight years, but you know, he had a massive impact on their life, just not just in footy but out outside of footy, the the lessons he learned. Um yeah, he just a Tremendous fellow and a tremendous human being. It was a bit like back in the day, in the, in the late 80s, when George was coaching us. Mm. I mean, George George came in to that job because they couldn't afford to pay you know, a coach. Mm. And George hadn't had a lot of experience. Uh, technically, some you know, he, he'd put his hand up and say, oh, he wasn't the greatest technical coach. But he had that passion. He had some great ideas, don't get me wrong, but everyone just loved him and wanted to play for him. And that, yeah. that's a big thing. As a coach, yep. and uh, you know he had a he had a massive influence on that team back then. You can see that in spades with Wayne, but you can also see it with JD. There's a yep. lot of respect from those boys for JD. You can you can see it in him. He's a, he's going to be a good coach come yeah. next year. Again, but but you know it's not just always about footy. Mm. You know, and that's that's what we see. Obviously, I get to see it every day, but. Mm. It's it's yeah the players the players want to know what I do outside of footy I want to know what they do yeah not prying but just mm. it's a great conversation starter and, and you know you, you get to see them every day we got we got a squad and a staff there that care about each other which is which is really good mm. that hey. band the banner between you and Renault daily yellow is one of the highlights <laughs> for me going over to Redfern just into each other I love uh, it he never stops he never stops you give him plenty of material to work with. <laughs> Very good. We might wrap up our first topic there. We'll be back in just a moment. Now, one of your departments, Shannon, is merchandise in the official Rabbitohs merchandise store. It's now located down at the Heffron Park Tennis Centre on Bunurong Road in Maroubra. It's palatial down there. It's absolutely massive. Matty Parrison working down there in the shoebox. But they've still got all the key Rabbitohs gear. So if you're looking for a jersey, a polo shirt, T-shirt, hat, flag, anything like that, anything you can think of, head down there to Heffron Park to see uh, Matty and the team down there, and they'll help you out. It's right near where the... 
new high performance centres going to be built down at Heffron Park as well. So you can see the area that uh, the new high performance centre and community centre is going to be built in. Or you can shop online at shop.rabbitos.com.au. But all the new gear's starting to come in, isn't it, Shan? Spot on. The 2021 range is all in there, so you can get in there. And as you said, Jez, it's a stake in the ground in terms of our movement where our high performance centre will be. Uh, completed at the end of 2022. That's uh, why we put the merch store out there. So I encourage everyone to get out and have a look at the, look at our merchandise and where our new high performance centre is going to be. And for all the big boys and girls, it's clear they've got stuff that can <laughs> we can fit anyone. Yes, indeed. Uh, they have to put two tags on my shirt to fit all the X's. But, um, <laughs> But don't yes. be that hard on yourself. <laughs> That's my wife's job, isn't it? Uh, very good. All right, head down to uh, head down to Heffron Park or jump online at shop.rabbitos.com.au for anything that you need in Rabbitos merchandise. Time for topic number two. The first one was the the top four players you played with. Now I want to know about the top four players that you played against. And I guess you could reframe that as guys that you would have loved to have played with but didn't have the opportunity, but you played against them. So we'll go first with you, Elo, again. It's a really good question, Jeremy. And it wasn't you know, just giving a bit of thought this morning and yesterday. You don't realise probably till you finish playing how many good players you did play against. And you're probably thinking the same when you're yep. put, putting through your mind. And, and back in the 80s, and early you know, early 90s when I played, there were some magnificent players in the game. And, you know, there was Wally Lewis, you know, he was in the team that I debuted against. Mm-hmm. In that same team was Meninga and Miles, uh, Bob Lindner. Uh, Belcher. God, that must have been intimidating, Ella. Did, did you feel that before you ran out there looking at these names of these well, Queenslanders? Well, I sort of did, but I was that excited about uh, about playing that I just couldn't wait to get on. But the mm. the what I did find intimidating was that Dean Rampley called Henry in the first scrum. <laughs> and I, I, did, I didn't know what Henry was. <laughs> You're like, who's this bloke, See, Henry? Who's, who's Henry? <laughs> and then he, next minute it's on in the first scrum oh. of the game. So yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was fun. The good news is Henry's young mate. Um, he's a now sponsor of ours. Young Who? Henry. Young Henry. <laughs> oh, oh, you had me there. Hey. I didn't know where you were going with that. We might cut that one. That's pretty obvious. <laughs> We've got a top that's, four dad jokes coming up that's later our in the year. That's our joke of the week. <laughs> No, I like that. We're no, do that we got to, no, we got to we got to do a podcast from there, from the Young Henry's Brewery one day. What about that? One day. Oh, it's yeah, fantastic. Sure. If you haven't been out there, it's uh, fantastic. Just outside of Newtown, got a local bar. They got the best beers in in Sydney, and Australia, probably, and it's a great day out. So, great idea. Yeah, we'll have to do that. Just have to get onto the accounts team for that invoice now for their free ad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. As I he's, said, I work for Crunch. I work for Product. He's <laughs> a, paid by the case. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. Well, as I said, Wally Lewis probably one of the great players that I did play against. I mean, yeah, you wouldn't get an argument from that. But then you look at the great five eights of the era. Brett Kenny, like there was always the argument. You know, who who should be the Australian five eight back then when when Lewis played against Kenny? So they were. Um, they were two great players. That's it's funny. I remember a story. Uh, when I was playing at Cronulla, I was playing 5'8", and uh, I was marking Kenny, and, you know, I wasn't quite as quick as him, as, as you probably realise. But, I'd, you know, you know, you think about the game, you know, Shannon, you're playing, and you, Jez, you, when you're playing, you, you think about it 
you know, leading up and what am I going to do? So I thought I'll just get outside him from the scrum so I can keep him, you know, close to the yeah. pack if everyone comes, you know. Yeah. So he, you know, and I'm a, you're going to have to run a long way to get around me, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. for sure. <laughs> Not so much back then. Marathon runner was a Kenyan. I'll do the jokes, mate. So anyway, I thought I'd think about it all night. Anyway, and then what I didn't bank on was that he'd bring Eric Growth in off the off the blind side wing at the scrum. He was someone I wanted to ask you about, Elo, because I'd be thinking back into your era, what was it like playing against a bloke like him that was fast, massive, run over the top of you, run around you? Like what how would you even prepare to try and play against a bloke well, like you, Eric Growth? I'll probably answer the <laughs> end of my story will answer that yeah, question for yeah. you. I didn't think about him coming in. Mm. Anyway, I've gone up to tackle Kenny's brought him in and I'm I hadn't really seen him till late. I've gone to tackle around the legs. He's knocked me straight out. Ugh. So, yeah. I used to look at guys like like Dave Taylor and um, Scott Geddes and Sam Burgess that had come to our place, and I'm thinking, look, I've never played at that level, but where would I even aim to tackle these blokes? Particularly Dave Taylor. He was just – he was like the trunk of a 100-year-old tree. Like, he was just thick and ma- just a big human. His hands were big. Everything was big about him, and I'm just thinking, where would you even – Exactly. Well, it, apart from around the noggin, it's, it's it's a different era now. Like when when I was playing, you'd tackle them around the legs. Yeah, the, the yeah. really big guys, wouldn't you? You yeah. get you go low because you weren't you weren't taught to tackle yeah. up high. You know, um, so yeah, we we try and tackle around that. It's different now though. Yeah, uh, but I, I still think there's some players in the game you need. It. Someone's got to go low to stop them. Yeah, you know, so yeah, um, you know the the big that big Seaver from Parramatta. Oh winger, yeah. Mike Siva, like blokes like him bringing the ball back. Sometimes you just got to go low, you know. Yeah, I heard. I heard um, Joey saying on, the, on one of the broadcasts. He said, "You know, they're a strong runner when you hear the guys in the defensive line yelling out, he's yours.' It's <laughs> 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 good. That was That's my favourite. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so getting getting back, there's a few other players like yeah, Wally Lewis is obviously Brett Kenny was outstanding. Yep. Um, another underrated player and a great player. Mario, I hate me for saying this, but Benny Elias was, I reckon, one of the greatest footballers of his time. Yeah. Um, he was one of the smartest, uh, skillful players mm. in the game. Mm. And, um, you know, him and Mario used to, you know, rip into each other. But I'd seen him, obviously, younger. I played against him at schoolboys and then mm. played, like Blake, he played with him in the Australian schoolboys team. Mm. But he changed the way hookers played the game. Um, and, you know, people used to think he wasn't tough, but he was tough, mate. Mm. He was tough. And everyone would try and bash him, but he just got on with it, mate. He, he'd, he'd be at market telling someone, I'm going to run right. And mm. so they'd think they're going to run left, so he'd just run right. <laughs> I told you. You know what I mean? Like, so, but that, he that was the old double hurt. trick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, he, he was – he's in the top. Top four, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, right. Um, then, you know, in, in lock, the lock position, Bradley Clyde was a, a fantastic player too. Mm. Just the work like, work he did and how strong he was mm. and things like that. And that, In that Canberra team, you had Laurie Daly. Yeah. 
Ed Belcher popped up again too from, you know, he played in that first team for the combined Brisbane and then he's down in Canberra playing yeah. in the 80s. They had, and one, one of the hardest players to tackle was that uh, Chica Ferguson. Oh, yeah, the yeah. winger, because, you know, you're talking about tackling big guys. They were probably easier than, than guys like him that could just dart everywhere mm. and you just couldn't catch them. But, yeah, um, yeah and, and, you know, I was lucky enough to play um, against the great Steve Rogers. You know, he, he played for at the back end of his career at St George. Um, I, I remember playing against him in a semi-final at, um, at the SCG. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's just... That's what I mean. There were some unbelievable players. I mean, you you got Blocker Roach there too. Ellery Hanley came out from to play for oh, yeah. the Tigers. So we're just blessed in that area with the era. And, and of course, in our own team, I went through that before our own players. There, there was there was that many players there too. So mm. to to yeah, I, I'd have to say Wally Lewis. Mm. Um, I think Ben Elias. Mm. Um, Steve Rogers, mm. not that I played against him long, but he's one of the greats of the game. Um, and Brett Kenny. Yeah. What a list. Pretty good. One of the guys you mentioned there, Blocker, a lot of people don't realise, Blocker actually coached here. Yeah. In our, yeah. our President's Cup when I was a kid coming through, he coached, and he was a great coach for a, for a hooker, young hooker like me. He could teach me so many little tricks, but what I loved was his disdain for the backs, you know. He's a... <laughs> You used to say the only good thing about having wingers in your side is knowing the other side has to have them as well. <laughs> <laughs> I remember <laughs> fitness was it was Tuesday nights, you know, and we'd all be out there doing the four hundreds at Redfern Oval and you know, you do your set of six or four hundreds, he said, Oh forwards in there and all the backs said, All right, you guys got another six four hundred I said, How come they only get I have to do six four hundred. He says they do their work on the weekends. You do your work on Tuesday nights. <laughs> <laughs> Blocker reminds me a lot of Mario. I've had a little bit to do with Block through his work in the media, and he reminds me a lot of Mario. When you see him down at training, muzzle come down and he stalks the sideline, doesn't he? Yeah, he yeah. walks along and he's staring it all down. You can see he just wants one more go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just wants one, one more yeah, go. There it is. And, and Blocker's the same. He'll come. He came down to training. Um, oh, I'd be two seasons ago now, came down with Warren Smith and checked out train, checked out some of the players, and he, he looked across me on stage and he goes, you blokes are going to have a good year this year. And you could just see it in his <laughs> eyes. like yeah. They started rolling like poker machines. He, was just, he wants one more run, one he more did. tackle. It's, it's funny you say that. It's a hard thing to, to transition when you first stop playing, isn't mm. it? Because like, it it, it's something you've done since you were a kid. Yeah. And and you get you get there. and like Being on the sideline now, you, you look back as a different game. Mm. But you, you you sometimes think, well, yeah, we used to do that, you know. Yeah. It was we used to do it every week, and you just you couldn't wait for game day, you know. Yeah. It's but it's I think it's something that's always always in you, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I was going to ask because I've asked lots of ex players this, and it was certainly the case with me. And I'm barely an ex player, but he uh, played a lot more reserve grade than I did first grade. But any any player um, that's played a lot of football, I, I ask this question about when you stop playing. You know, for months and even years afterwards, you occasionally still have dreams that you're having a having a game of football. It's almost <coughs> like a form of it's probably over exaggerated, but like PTSD. You you still and like even to this day, I might only have them once every six months. Did you did you have that? Still yeah, and I I did. I performed a lot better in my dreams than I did on the <laughs> footy field. <laughs> you know what? I still no, couldn't you, get in first grade. Even <laughs> I still picked in reserve grade every week. No, it's you, my dream. No, you you do, you do, mate, and and, it, and it's. 
it's probably – one thing I do try and get when I talk to the players, I mean, not that I talk to them very often, but sometimes having a conversation, you, 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 you sometimes forget what you're doing at the time. You know, putting the old head on young shoulders and things like that, you know. And and I, you know, the biggest thing for me was not winning the grand final. Yeah. You know, and, and I still, I still remember, you know, I would have loved to do that. But, you know, obviously we can't now. Uh, but, you know, you look back and you, you think, would I have done a few things differently um, at the time if I'd have thought more about it? Whereas I, I used to just think more about just winning that week. Yep. You know, and then you get, you get to the, the semis and the... The prelims and obviously, you know, but I, I never actually thought about winning the comp back then. I just thought about winning that game as yes. a lead. But mm. but I, I think and I think probably these days, like players have got better goal setting mechanisms than what they did then. You know, you know yeah. what we did then. But I think it also just a maturity thing. Like when you're first in first grade, you're just a bit more conscious of your own game. Mm. And and as you said, just winning that week. It's not until you get the back end of your career you can sort of think at a more macro higher level and mm. I think that's just a experience thing and that's probably why the more experienced players are the ones that, that win win comps. Mm. But I just want to pull you up on one thing there, Rello. You said you haven't won a comp. Mate, you were in seriously you were instrumental in that twenty fourteen um oh. grand final win. You weren't um on the field, but you were certainly on the sideline, and you're on the grass, and and you were responsible for the 17 guys that were on the field, and bringing them more to the club, and helping them to develop who they were, and ultimately to bring us premierships. And mate, you're as much a part of that win on in 2014 as anyone. Yeah, so my mate, it was obviously a great day. It's a great day, and it was exciting. It was a, it was we a great couple of weeks. <laughs> so what about the couple of weeks after, Ella? <laughs> I can't remember it. That was only a 50-week year that year. Two of them had disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> it nearly cost me my marriage, that's for sure. <laughs> Big shout-out to Raylene Ellison for putting up with this bloke in that, in that period. <laughs> uh, Shannon, let's uh, hear your top four players that you played against. Okay. Um, I want to start with a couple of couple of Rabbitohs that I played with them when they weren't at the Rabbitohs, but they were they were great Rabbitohs, great juniors. And actually, both came through the same junior league side, so it goes to show how strong our junior league is. And this this guy's underrated. He revolutionised sort of the ball playing lock, I think. Um, and that's Jim Dimmick. He played New South Wales, played for Australia. I have to declare a bias. He lived next door to me in Wallamaloo, and I I saw him develop all the way as as a kid. But he was just he was you know, he's he's of Tongan descent as well as um, Maltese descent, half Maltese, half. So he's big, strong, got that robust Polynesian build, but very skillful as mm. well. And uh, he revolutionised that lock and, and played a bit of 5'8 in his career after that as well. And he was tough and skillful. So Jim, you know, and rightfully so, was, a, was an international. Then the other one... Uh, who played in the same junior league side as you, man. He was my favourite as a kid, probably still my favourite. Now, you spoke about, um, you know, uh, Ben Elias revolutionising hookers. I think this guy was the sort of generation after Ben Elias as a hooker, but revolutionised hooker. Everyone gives the credit to Steve Walters, but Jim Sedaris was in the same mm. era. But Jimmy, Jimmy was only 18, mm. and he revolutionised that tough running, that hooker that sort of ran from dummy half, like like Steve Walters, like um, Kieran Cunningham, who played for the UK. Mm. But Jimmy Sedaris was 18, and mixing it up with men, he got Dallium Hooker of the Year, or I think he might have got Rookie yeah. of the Year in his first year. He was just, well, that, that he was a revolution. That was in 89. I mean, he yeah. Mario moved to the back row to accommodate him, and he, like as a 
like, as an eighteen-year-old or something. Yep. He just revolutionised the game. He did. At the end of that season, we went on a trip away, and uh, Jimmy didn't have a, a a passport, so he said, "What do I do?" He, you know, he went behind the ears. I said, "Come on, we'll go down, go down and get it sorted." And he needed a birth certificate, thing like that first, you know. And you got to get other documents and that as well. So we went down the the birth desk uh, down there, just just as you're getting into town. I don't know mm. what street is in there. Anyway, it was an amazing, amazing story. Walked in there and uh, up on the board was was obituaries, right? And he said, oh, what's obituaries? I said, oh, mate, they're just people that passed away yesterday. He said, oh, that's amazing. They've all died in alphabetical order. <laughs> 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 That's very good. That's very good. I actually need to give you one of these. <laughs> you were spinning bow ties. Very good. Uh, very, very. Can I just, I'll just divert for one second? Talk about the stories and footballers with. You know, not being the sharpest tools in the shed. A, a, a former South player. I'm sure the hardcore rubbers remember this guy, Peter Driscoll, blonde hair, oh, so yeah. tough running second rower, and just tough. And you know, would do 30 hit ups a game, 40 tackles a game, and just go and go. And a lovely guy. Um, Pete and I actually went to school together and come to grade together. And I'm still still friends with Pete. He's from Corindai, just outside of Tamworth, and he settled settled back there and got a beautiful family. But Pete and I, when we were the young blokes coming into first grade, it was the ARL year before the Super League bun fight and all that kind of stuff. And there used to be a side, the Western Reds, over in Perth. And Pete and I are excited to be picked in first grade, and we're going over there, and we're sitting at the um, the boarding gate waiting to get on. Everyone's talking about the game, and Pete said, I reckon they go out after it. And uh, I said, yeah. And the boy said, oh, Pete, did you change your money over to... I said, what do you mean? I said, the Western Australian money. Did you change your money over at the currency exchange? To, oh, we're just about to get on the plane. Why, did, why are you telling me now? Why didn't you tell me 20 minutes ago? I, was, I said, Pete, settle down. I said, I'll explain it to him, you know. Anyway. That's unlike you. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, should have, I should have ran on with it. Normally you would have said, look, give it to me. I'll go change it for you. Yeah, right. yeah. Gee, the exchange rate was poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honest Catholic school boy. Do you have that leather bag with you? <laughs> that one's for another day. <laughs> but but the funny thing is, about four weeks later, um, we're going over to play the Warriors in New Zealand. We're sitting on the at the boarding gate waiting to go, and one of the boys said, "Ah, Pete, I hope you remember to change your money over this time." He said, "Ah, you won't get me twice." <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> Oh, very good. Very good. Very good. Shout out to my great mate Peter Driscoll. Uh, fantastic fellow. Yeah. So we're two plays down. Oh, sorry. I'll, I'll speak this up. I did divert. Okay. Uh, Andrew Johns, uh, you know, he just had it all. You know, in attack, he could. Goal kickers like Hazamel Majri, general play kick like Ricky Stewart. He could mm. put guys through gaps, he could run the ball. Uh, he could hit like a second rower. Like his defence was just amazing, and his all-round <coughs> game sense. Um, I've got to say, when I, I, as I, I didn't play many first grade, played a lot more reserve grade than I did first grade. But I sort of was never intimidated against anyone I played or in awe of anyone. But just having seen Andrew and play, he was one of the guys that I just considered myself uh, privileged to be on the same park as he. I, yeah. I just think it's, to this day, I still. 
I think he's the best player that's ever ever laced on a boot. So yeah, he, mate, he's he's one of the great players in our game. Yeah, that's ever been in our game. There's no doubt. Yeah, so mm. I had to had to have him in there, and then of a similar vein in terms of just all round greatness is uh, Laurie Daly. Um, I played <laughs> when I was at South, and uh, we we're playing down there in Canberra one time, and I. I like, I didn't mind defending in the middle because you got blokes almost half a metre beside you. Ten, as you said, Hello, it's easier tackling forwards. So mm. They charge up, you just plant your feet and put one on their back. But I used to hate being caught, you know, a bit wide of the ruck one-on-one. And mm. I was playing against Raiders and somehow they shifted the ball across. I'm trying to work my way towards the middle and I got caught on the edge of the ruck and Laurie Daly could see me and he's calling the ball because he could see the, <laughs> see the whites in my eyes and you one-on-one. And he's called the ball and I'm thinking, please don't give the ball to Laurie Daly. Please don't give the ball. They give the ball to Laurie Daly. He goes out, I go out. Bang, he steps in, he beats me, goes straight through and um, he goes straight through and Mullins is pushing up on the inside. Uh, Loz gets to the fullback, passes it to um, Mullins. Referee rules a forward oh, pass no. and a stage try. On the, I stopped that try. <laughs> <laughs> you blinded like him with the whites of your <laughs> yeah, eyes. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, that was a uh, good little trip back in time there. We'll be back in just a moment. Now, another one for Shannon's crew, Rabbitohs Plus. We kicked that off in uh, the last month or so. It's a new initiative from the Rabbitohs, which provides services for Rabbitohs members and supporters that they use every day. So from mobile phone plans to travel deals, home and contents insurance, credit cards, car insurance, home loans, all those sorts of essentials that you use every day. Rabbitohs Plus can provide you and your family with some great deals. So all you need to do to check it all out is go to plus.rabbitohs.com.au and it's a, a fantastic initiative, and it, it was born out of COVID. Yes, that's right, Jez. Um, I guess, as we said, you know, it was a it was a scary time for the game in terms of you know financial sustainability for for all clubs. We we're probably in a better position than most, but we were looking at alternative revenue streams for the clubs that could ensure our sustainability moving forwards. We knew we knew we could count on the support of our members, but we thought another way to ensure the financial sustainability of our club and look after members in the same way was. Um, I guess, some commissionable products that the members are using every day. So we work with people like, or organisations like, you know, Community First Credit Union. So got market-leading credit card offers and, and lowest interest rate and lowest charges and basically make sure our members get a really good product and service but also um, provide a, a passive revenue stream for the club. So it's been great. We've only just launched it and the support of the members so far has been overwhelming. It's great products, great services, a really good prices. The members win and the club wins as a result. Fantastic. Plus.rabbitos.com.au to check out all the offers from Rabbitos Plus. Now, time's catching up with us a little bit, so we might just need to whip through this last topic. Um, it's the top four reasons why you've dedicated your working life to rugby league. Now, both of you have spent a lot of your working life in rugby league, but you've both spent time away from it as well. I'm I'm sort of the opposite. When I first came into South, I've never left. Um, dabbled a little bit in cricket over summers, but um, Ello, you were selling wardrobes, and Shannon, you worked with, I think it was Clubs New South Wales. So you moved outside of, of rugby league, but you both came back because, I assume, because of your love of the game. So be interested to understand the top four things as to why you've stuck with rugby league throughout your life. 
I think just the love of the game is the first thing. I started playing when I was was five, mm. and um, I still remember we used to we used to play. I used to play in the convent schools comp at Moore, at Moore Park of a Saturday morning, and well, I was fortunate that my my grandparents lived in Selwyn Street at Paddington, so after the game we'd kick off at half past nine. After the game, we'd head over to, to Nat and Pops, have a shower, have lunch. Then we'd head to the cricket ground and watch the match of the day. So you'd watch the three grades start at midday. And that was my Saturday. And then when you – I'd go with the family, with my brother and my parents. And then after the game, you'd rush home. We'd go back to Nat and Pops for dinner. And uh, and then we watched the replay. So that was part of my life, and I just loved it. Mm. I mean, that's – it's it's really I, I that's where I learned to add up when I was young watching the footy you know, putting a try and a goal together you know things like that. Um, that's the the love of the game is the reason. Uh, the second one's just the camaraderie and yeah. and uh, of being around you know people and and it was was even more enjoyable I think in the era that I played that because you worked during the day and then you come and you couldn't wait to see the guys at night time. Um, and, you know, there a lot of guys would be out on the tools all day and then come to train in the afternoon. And, we, we, you know, we, we didn't train anywhere near as, as long or as hard as what the guys do now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that camaraderie of, you know, three times a week getting to see the boys and train with them, obviously you, you, you're having a laugh all the time. A couple of beers after training, then, then you're home. So camaraderie is good. Uh, the giving back mm-hmm. uh, is the one, is a big one for me because... You know, you you talk about the time I spent at the club here, Jeremy, and, and what the game's done for me. It, it, it's, you know, it's it's you know, it's been just my life really for mm. for most of it. And it's, um, you know, I like giving back. I love seeing young kids come through. I love seeing, you know, our juniors come through, and I love watching them. Like a, I watched Cameron Murray play when he's four and a half. Mm. In in he played in my son's team, um, and I've watched him come right through all the way and. You know, other guys like 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 Renault and Alex Johnson. Mm. I didn't see them quite as early, but and particularly this club because yeah, you know, we talk about our members being passionate. But if you're part of the South Sydney, you, you're part of it, mm. and it has a mystique about it that that you know I've been a couple of other clubs and they were great in it, but there's something about this club that's different, mm. and uh, you know those things have have, have made it. Outstanding, mm. and and probably the last thing is the community aspect of it. Mm. Um, like I, I know, particularly when Madge came came to the club, he wanted to make that a big a big focus of getting out in the community. And you know, I, I was fortunate enough; I had a lot of contacts that would get you know, like surf clubs and you know, all all you know, all mm. places like that where you know, community is big. We had players going down in the nippers on Sundays and. You know, we do a bit of training down at South Maruba or Clavelli. Clavelli was good because we we got into the heart of the Aroosa supporters. My, uh, my old mate Russ Byrne was on the was on the board. Sorry, the the heartland. Sorry, no, sorry. Hey, almost passes right. human. Oh, almost. <laughs> but but just doing that with the community and it's. It's you know it's fantastic sometimes just if you go out shopping or someone someone will stop you and want to talk about the rabbitos and things like that and and it's something that that it's not annoying mm. because it it's just you know it's part of it and you know people are passionate about it mm. so um, yeah it's not it's not hard 
I mean, obviously the job now has its challenges at times, and there's not everything goes exactly how you want it to. But it's it's not hard to get out of bed of a day to come and no. work at this place. No, you're right. I assume yours are pretty similar. They are. Yeah. They are. I just want to, one point Jez mentioned reminded me of the, the great line from Andrew Denton at the Red and Green Ball. He's talking about going to the game at Redfern, watching it with your family, and then going home watching the replay. I remember Andrew Denton's line at a Red and Green Ball. He said, you know you're a Rabbitohs, hardcore Rabbitohs supporter when you go out and you watch them Redford Oval, and they hang on, just hang on for a two-point lead, but you're frightened to go home and watch the replay in case they blow it the second time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. You talk about Redford. Remember Redford Oval as a kid? Yes. You know, it was, you go and watch the games there, and you know, you just get on the hill, and yep. the, the, the waff of, of, of just the liniment would come across yes. the ground, and the canteen, and you know, you, you know it, was you, fantastic. it was, they'd be selling peanuts, up in the remember that place yes. that sells the peanuts. Yes, he sells roses now at some of the pubs. He does. He does. Someone's told me that. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, another one of my favourite. I love the rabbitos and, and and another one is food. And uh, do you remember the remember the hot dog with the crunchy bread rolls they had? Yes. On the on the western side, that was fantastic too. So <laughs> I remember Redfern Oval fondly. Some of it on the field as well. So. <laughs> So that's Shannon's first reason to work in rugby league is the crunchy hot dogs. Sorry. <laughs> we digress. Sorry, I, I certainly do. Um, yeah, you're right, Jez. My, my reasons are similar to Ellos. I absolutely love the game. And what I, what I love about it is um, it's power to inspire. I think, you know, I remember when we won the comp in 2014 and bringing the trophy back to the team. And in this area, there's a lot of wharfies and baggage handlers and garbos. And we use the expression, everyone from garbos to <coughs> governor generals are rabbitos, members and supporters. That is the case. The governor generals are uh, a mad rabbito and everyone in between. And I saw grown, tough men crying mm. um, when we brought that trophy back after 43 years. And there's no other room in your life that brings something, that kind of emotion and passion to you and, and I think Ella's right it is particular to our club that passion you never when anybody refers to a Rabbitohs supporter or member they always say oh he's a mad Rabbitohs yeah. supporter or member they always talk about how avid they are we don't have any other type which no. is like you know we just 100% or not or they're not if you're a Rabbitoh you're hooked so it's the power to um, inspire and give people life you know uh, a purpose you know it's not it's not an exaggeration to say that our club represent the aspirations of a lot of people. We were, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, Redfern, Waterloo and surrounds out to La Perouse, living public housing, lower socioeconomic areas, and but we're their team and we represent them and we were kicked out of the competition. We were we were gone and and th- through people power we marched and we got back in and we struggled for a long, long time. And then in 2014, we, by the time we won the comp, we were the best best club on the field. We were the best club off the, um, you know, biggest membership base, highest merchandise sales, highest rating team. We'd gone from you know the basement to the penthouse, and and you know that represented the aspirations for a lot yeah. of people. And there's there's not many things in your life that bring that. So that's you know the power to inspire, and the. The third thing is the power to trans- transform lives. I, I see it every day with South Cares, you know. They do transformational programs in people who've been for generations long-term unemployed into employment. That changes not only that person's life but their, their family's life and future generations. And because we, we can work with um, government and our sponsors to provide employment opportunities for the community, South Cares do great jobs around um, 
employment, around school engagement. Kids, they're, they're working, you know, one of their school engagement programs with kids who are marginalised and at risk of disengaging from school, over 90% of those kids uh, go on to complete a HSC, which changes all of their options. So the power to transform lives is the third one. And then um, the fourth one is just giving back. The game's given me so much, um, you know, both on the field. Not many people know this story, but uh, playing in the junior league, uh, you know, I was playing Harold Matz and I'd left school and was working as a labourer. I grew up in the public housing of Wollamaloo and um, I was helping mum out. I left school before I um, finished school and, um, you know, the club said to me, look, Shannon, I think you've got a bit of a brain in your head. You're captaining our SG ball side next year. If you knuckle down to your education... Um, we'll we'll pay for your education, and I was worried about. I was helping Mum out a bit financially with what I was earning, and they gave me a little bit of money. It wasn't a huge amount of money, but it was enough to enough to help Mum along. As a result, I got to go back and get a really good education at Champagnat at Pagewood Marist, as it was then. That's but the year I left teaching when he when he came to the school. <laughs> good option. I can't put up with this bloke. Well played. Well played. I don't blame you. <laughs> But, I, but because of because of football, they gave me, I got a HSC, I went on and got a degree and some postgrad studies and it changed the trajectory of my life as a result, the opportunities I can afford my kids. But it, it's, it hasn't just done it for me, it's, it's doing it every day for hundreds and hundreds of people. Our club's particularly strong at it. So um, giving back. So the four reasons, again, I love the game. Um, it provides inspiration, the power to transform lives and giving back there. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Jez, what, are well your, what are your four reasons? Well, I, I had similar reasons, but the one that sort of sat differently, and it's probably from a more selfish point of view as to why I've stayed in the games, because it's fun. Yes. Like, I see yeah. so many of my mates that work at banks or insurance. My missus works at an insurance company, um, and I sit there and I'm thinking, where's the fun in it? You know? <laughs> like, I just think, we get to ride the roller coaster every week, and if you have a win, the next week's so great, and everyone, all the members are happy, and we follow the social media. Everyone's happy online, and the next week we might have a loss, and everyone's filthy, and everyone's, oh, the world's about to end. You ride that roller coaster, and when you experience a season like, 2014 and you talk about the giving back and the way it can change people's lives that that was the one for me when particularly so so that grand final week I was ready for I'm a big planner I like to make sure I've got everything planned out and I know what's going to happen I had everything planned out until the day after the grand final when we were going to have the Redfern Oval celebration everyone coming back but I wasn't ready for the rest of it so Richo called us and said, right, we've been offered the keys to the city of Randwick, we've been offered the keys to the city of Sydney, we've been offered a trip up the Harbour Bridge with the to- trophy, we've been offered a open-top bus trip all through the South Sydney Territory right up to Town Hall in the city. And That was amazing. And man. you need to make sure it happens. And I'm sitting there going, oh, I'm not ready for this. this <laughs> I wasn't ready for this, but you know what? We got it done. And the things that I remember, going up Coogee Bay Road through Coogee, and you went past a school and there were all these five-year-olds out the front clapping and then 100 metres up the road was a retirement village and all these 80 and 90 year olds clapping us on and that's what you talk about our community and the difference it make. I remember coming back towards Redfern um, up on Phillips Street and there was a there were five people with tubers and trumpets and trombones playing glory to glory to South Sydney as we 
um, drove it's one past. of my memories of it too. That was yeah. that was amazing. Me me being charged with babysitting Ben Teo when we picked him up halfway round. <laughs> also on Coogee Bay Road. I think I, I think I'd been drinking with him. Just. <laughs> the, the, the look from Mitch going, you babysit him. <laughs> Walking him up the stairs to town hall, trying not to let him too close to Clovermore. It was just, it was just unbelievable to to see what a difference. And when the boys went up the bridge with the trophy, and the Channel Nine helicopters up there, and all the media that wanted to go up with them, and working with the guys at Sydney Bridge Climb to make all that happen, you just knew that it was something special. Like the the Roosters had had. Success. The Bulldogs had had success over the the ten years previous as Sydney clubs. They weren't climbing the bridge with the trophy. They weren't getting the keys to the city off off the Lord Mayor of Sydney. They weren't being put on open top bus rides right through their local area and up through the city so that everyone could see them. And the crowd that was at Town Hall in the city was amazing. And the irony of it, yeah, it wasn't all that long ago in, in the history of the club. Yes. We've been at the same place for a different reason. For a different, back, exactly know. right. And so that that's the things for me, that it, there's fun experiences that, that we have. I've met so many people that I would never have had the opportunity to meet and interact with and, and work with. And I guess it's a more selfish reason, but for me it's just fun. Yes. You know, like I look at people that bust themselves to earn whatever they want to earn during their, their lives and good luck to them if that's what they want to do. And traditionally in sport, you're not earning the sort of money you could out with some of the bigger companies, but you don't have anywhere near the fun no. and and you don't have anywhere near the care for your job that, no. that you do. So We are blessed, absolutely. Absolutely. It is a privilege absolutely. to work for this club. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's nothing like it. So that was a great chat there, boys. We'll be back in just a second. As we wind down here, one of the things we're going to do each week is have a trivia question for our members and supporters listening on to the podcast. So this, we, we won't have the answer this week. We'll give you the answer next week. So the first one this week. So when South Sydney played our final home game at Redfern Oval as our main home ground in 1987, who was it that scored the final points for the Rabbitohs and how did they score them? Now, we'll give you a bit of a clue. The final score was Canberra 26, South Sydney 2. So that probably gives you a clue as to how the points were scored. Um, but I want to know if anyone knows who scored those points back in 1987. So okay. we'll reveal the answer myself. next week. So have a think about it, gents, and we'll come back next week and uh, give you the answer and pump out another question. Well, all I know is I didn't let Laurie Dale in for a try that day. <laughs> <laughs> But you he probably had four. about four crunchy hot dogs. <laughs> yes, <I did. laughs> it's funny because it's true. <laughs> Very good. We'll be back in a moment. Now, of course, What If are the proud presenting partners of the Rabbitohs Top 4 Podcast and the Rabbitohs Podcast Network itself. And if you're looking for your next epic holiday, maybe a long weekend with your mates or you really need to get to our next game, of course, we play Melbourne in Melbourne in in Round 1, then it's time to What If It. What If has great deals on accommodation, flights, car hire and more. Plus, because they're the official travel partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs, you can head to whatif.com.au 
rabbitohs.com.au slash rabbitohs and use the promo code rabbitohs15, that's rabbitohs in all capital letters and the numbers 15, and you'll save 15% on selected hotels. Now, conditions apply for that, but what if it's Aussie for travel? And wouldn't we love to see as many as we can of our members and supporters down there in Melbourne for that that kickoff against the Premiers? That'd be great. I mean, it's... Um I don't think there's going to be many restrictions either. It looks like the Victorian government's going to lift uh, restrictions on, on Friday if they if they keep their uh, COVID count down. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure uh, all, the, all the members and fans are too. Yeah, what if a great partner, aren't they, Shannon? They certainly are. They're also the major sponsor of our pathway sites. They've made they've made that possible, you know. Uh, the fact that we now um, have the whole integrated pathway from pretty much Harold Matthews in the uh, under-17s as it is now, right into NRL. You know, Harold Matthews, SG Ball, uh, Jersey Flag into our um, New South Wales Cup team into the NRL. It's um, fantastic and What If have made that possible. So I encourage all of our members to, to utilise What If and that discount because by supporting What If, you're also supporting the club. Speaking of pathways, great start to the season from our Estuary Ball team. Undefeated oh, after three games. Fantastic. They've played the you know, two of the top teams in Penrith and, and, and Manly. Manly. So, um, yeah, good start for them. It is very good, very good. Righto, we'll be back with our final segment just in a moment. I've been looking forward to this. Since we've been talking about doing this podcast, it is Ello's joke of the week. Lay it on us, Ello. Well, I, I wish it was X-rated, Jez. I think I could come up with a few better ones, but there was a meeting of the past, the present, and the future, and it was tense. <laughs> oh, very good. He was an English teacher. Very good. I like it. I like it. Nice and clean too. Yeah, yeah. Everyone in the family can enjoy that one. Tense. T e n t s. Very good. And I'm sure you can probably get one of those on whatif.com in your accommodation segment as well. If you want to go to a caravan park, very good, Ello. Shannon, next week it's your turn for okay. Shannon's joke of the week. So you're going to have to clean up some of the ones that we hear around the office every oh, day. I'm looking forward to that one you said. I've got a similar one, actually. There was a meeting between a TP and a wigwam. It was too tense. <laughs> Did you just make that up? That's, that's spelt T-E-N-S-E. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Right, I'll wrap things up in just a moment. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you, Ello, for joining me this morning here on our first episode. I hope you've enjoyed the last hour we've spent together, had a bit of a laugh, and delve back into the to both of your careers. It's good fun. I mean, it gave us a good idea to... to remember what it was all about back then and uh, the questions were good Jess so well, well put together mate very good it was a lot very of fun good. and in terms of delving back into our career in this show this show actually went longer than my career so I was <laughs> 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 I really enjoyed it ah <laughs> oh, very good very good well um, if you're out there listening you can co- you can contact us with topic <laughs> suggestions by filling out the form at rabbitos.com.au slash podcast you can also tweet us at SSFC Rabbitos and use the hashtag top four podcast we'll get your suggestions there but probably the easiest way is to fill out that form on rabbitos.com.au slash podcast also if you're listening to uh, the podcast around the place take a photo of where you're listening to us we'd love to see 
uh, where you're listening from all around the world. Don't forget to write us a glowing review and give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, if you believe, we should uh, get a five-star rating. Um, I already gave us one before we did the show, so <laughs> I'm on the ball. Um, and make sure you hit that subscribe button to automatically add our podcast to your feed every week. Don't forget to tune into our other podcasts on the Rabbitohs Podcast Network, including our regular media conferences leading up to games. The first one we had on there was the re-signing of Latrell Mitchell earlier this week, which was fantastic for the club. And those uh, pre-game podcasts include the absolutely hilarious uh, press conferences by our head coach, Wayne Bennett. It's it's one not to miss. We're also going to have the audio version of our Rabbitohs Insider um, video that we put on the website each week. Don't forget to tune in to Chaps, Mavo and Brownie on uh, on the Rabbitohs Radio podcast. They're going to talk more footy, um, the current footy stuff. A couple of past players there in Mavo and Brownie as well, two of your ex-teammates, uh, Ello, from that 89 era. And um, they're a lot of fun as well. They get some of the current players on and, and they get some guests on and, and talk a lot of, of footy and have a good laugh. So great to have them as part of the Rabbitohs podcast uh, this year. And we'll be back next week with more from the Rabbitohs Top 4 podcast. Of course, it's Powered by the team at Audio Technica, our flash headphones that we've uh, got on today. They've done the job today and, and proudly presented by What If So. We'll see you next week. Okay, Jess. Look forward to it. Very Thanks, good. Jess. Thanks for a fun, fun morning. No worries. Thank you to everyone for listening to the Rabbitohs Top 4 podcast. Thanks for listening to the Rabbitohs Top 4 podcast. Powered by Audio Technica and proudly presented by What If, official travel and pathways partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Support the club and visit whatif.com forward slash Rabbitohs to book your next trip. Don't forget to use the code Rabbitohs15 to get 15% off select hotels. Conditions apply. What If, it's Aussie for travel. Please leave us a five-star rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Up the rabbit eyes.